Welcome to this Brews News Brewery Pro podcast. Hot Products Australia has today released its annual harvest report, and this is our companion conversation with HPA's sales and marketing manager, Owen Johnston, in which we discuss the report and dig a little deeper into current hop trends and the hop industry as it stands post-harvest 2023. If you'd like to read the report and find out a little bit more about how the harvest went, there is a link in the show notes to the full report. Owen Johnson, welcome to the 2023 uh, Hop Crop Report. Thanks very much, Matt. Very uh, nice to join you again to uh, give you a bit of a roundup of, of how the season was for us and how the crop outcomes came out. And I really should have gone back and counted how many times we've done this annually because we started the podcast in 2011 and I think we've pretty much done an annual uh, chat about the the, the, the crop report. So uh, it, it's great to be back. And, and I guess we've got data over that period that, you know, we, we are starting to see some um, arching trends and some, you know, not pigeons coming home to roost, but, you know, the, the impact of some of the things that we talked about a decade ago. Yeah, the wheel of time continues to turn in some ways, doesn't it? We, we, we at HPA have been through quite a journey in the last, say, eight years and, you know, around production expansion and modernization and reinvigoration of the farms. Variety release is such important and a rapid rate of variety release. Um, and, and then you look outside of the, the hop yard fence and, and the beer industry has gone through its own cycles, whether that's beer fashions and fads in style. Um, you know, the explosion of, of independent breweries in Australia and around the world, you know, that's, there's, uh, and things are, are continuing to change even today. Well, I think, uh, you know, some of the things that would have impacted HPA's decision process was the, the styles you talked about, you know, uh, what, 2008, um, so that was beforehand, but even in the early 2010s, um, we were still seeing the the legacy of the IBU wars, you know, where bigger, bolder was better, and uh, we've we've moved towards hazy, um, and and seen that whole hazy style. We've seen brute IPAs. We've seen, uh, you know, the debates about whether it's a hoppy porter or a Cascadian dark, you know, all, all of those sorts of things. Um, actually, even before we get into the hop report, um, one of the questions I did want to ask is, you know, where do you see the you know, brewing trends at in, in 2023 now and where do you think that they're going just at a macro level? Yeah, it's a good question and something that the old crystal ball is not exactly clear on, but there are a couple of inclusions and a couple of exclusions that I'd, I'd sort of touch on. Um, I think I think that the, not only are the BU wars over, I think the alcohol arms race is also um you know, steadied, moderated. <clears throat> and I think the the prevalence of the health trend influencing no and low and and I think pr- probably more important um, across more breweries is the presence of, you know, three and a half to four and a half percent beers in their lineup. And it's quite different around the world. Um, I remember early trips into the States uh, slinging hops into, into US brewers and there wouldn't be a beer on their menu in their tap room, you know, under six percent. It was just for me, you know, because I'm such a moderate consumer. Um, it would be, it was a it was a, a a really obvious difference in the Aussie market versus um, versus that US market. And I think here in Australia, a excise influences that, but also b our um, the nature of our social environments and our drinking habits also lend themselves to the the mid range. So I think that's a, a trend. 
Not diminishing for me though, included in this trend here is that hop forward beers are still staying. They're sticky and they're, and, and that's immensely, um, satisfying for me. Um, the, the, the role of hops as driving flavor in beer is here to stay. And that's just great. Um, you know, beer diversity without hop flavor is possible, but you really do lose, you know, the, um, the, the color and movement and romance of hops in beer. If that's, if that's, uh, if that's where the trend goes. So yeah, there's a few things we see and, you know, trends back to lager, I think are, are real, but, you know, reassuringly for us, I think hops have a, a, a really permanent place you know, as 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 a source of flavour and diversity. Hmm. Well, let, let's see what that has impact. Well, I won't just say it's what beers are being used. Uh, you know, whenever we read the crop report, you know, you guys have to be weather forecasters, you know, meteorologists. Uh, you know, th- there are so many things that have an impact on on the hops. But let's let's have a look at the twenty three uh, hop harvest. Uh, you picked eight hundred and forty seven hectares, up from eight hundred and ten last year. Um, resulting in 1,821 uh, tons of hops, uh, up from 1,656. So uh, we're really seeing some of the plantings over the last uh, four or five years come through. That's right. So those that growth in acreage and output was all you know preordained in this in this last round, this last four years of um, investment in new land and productivity. Um, so that was well forecast. We didn't actually plant any new acreage yet last year, so this is all all the coming online of commercial crop from these paddocks established um, in previous years. Uh, you know, it's a it's a really pleasing result in the sense that um, you know we've we've charted this course and we chart the course from so far back. Um, we prioritised establishment of the galaxy um, increases. You know, that was governed by what we thought we could responsibly harvest in a given harvest window for galaxy we had the rise and rise of eclipse and that and that trajectory of productivity and supply surety behind eclipse because we really strongly believe that that's a that's a world-class hop uh you know that now is up to that um forecast position of, of our number three hop with so from zero at 161 metric tons up 70 percent that's right last so year. that's that's uh that's some big shoes that it's growing into there um behind now um just behind uh vic secret and and galaxy of course so galaxy crossed uh crossed a thousand tons this year which is really pleasing you know the, the actual individual um year-on-year growth on, on Galaxy is, as I say, all on um, seasonal and maturation, you know, and establishment of those of previous acreages established, not on any actual new gardens. Mm. Ella was uh, one of the ones, that Ella, well, actually Ella and Enigma both fell uh, by, you know, around about 10%. What was the uh, causes of that? That's just seasonal. There's no structural um, reductions there. That's, uh, and you can throw Cascade into this conversation as well. On a steady acreage year on year, um, just impacted adversely by the season. Cascade especially um, down here in, in uh, the Derwent Valley, so uh, grown in Tasmania. Yeah, so very had a very tough season. I think I think some of the early varieties and and uh, Cascade and Enigma um, uh, grown only in Tassie, and they're literally our first and second varieties in the harvest sequence. And so when we talk about being meteorologists and trying to understand some of the climate indicators that we we can look back on, uh, you know, the typically cold, wet spring we had, which delayed some emergence, uh, impacted the vegetative growing phase of the 
of the of the plant. Um, these early varieties are under a lot of pressure to try and make up ground, so to speak, in a very short time before they get harvested. So I think that impacted those two early varieties more so than those later varieties. Because literally, if you think about it, the hops like uh, Topaz and Vic at the back end of the season can have up to six weeks longer on the string than, mm. than Cascade. So they have an opportunity to recover. They have an opportunity to, um, you know, fill out and mature, et cetera. So, um, yeah, it's, it's far from a scientific, uh, answer, but I think that those early ones are impacted more by, um, you know, tough, tough early season conditions. But how, how is demand for Ella and, and Enigma? Because I know that, you know, obviously Galaxy, Vic Secret and Eclipse are the ones that are in high demand. Is the sort of the demand still there for, for, for those two? Absolutely, yes. Ella especially um, remains really, really tight. It's, it's going to be a really tight with that with that ten percent down on um, on year on year. There's going to be an almost uh, vapor thin spot market for that. We'll have to work pretty hard to um, to meet demand on on Ella. Enigma is a slightly different um, situation where I think Enigma is part of our portfolio on its 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 really diverse character it's a it's a part of diversity on our portfolio enigma as a hop is actually i I kind of feel quite polarizing the um the grapiness it's got quite a quite a sharp bitterness it's very distinctive um you know it's readily identifiable and and unfortunately if you don't like it and it's very identifiable well that's kind of a problem so it, it does split the consumers somewhat so uh enigma um Enigma remains something for us that we're working on to make sure we understand where the demand point is and don't don't oversupply. There's no point um, having a, an oversupplied situation there. I'm glad I uh, have these conversations with you because when I went, saw Cascade was down um, a, a little bit, I assumed it was it was always the one that was just hanging in because the people who want it really really want it, but being a you know a, a hop you can get elsewhere, it, it's it's always just got its nails in uh, to, to the portfolio, doesn't it? Just hanging on. It's immensely, uh, you know, in some ways quite frustrating for me because I want to pursue a fully differentiated proprietary portfolio and bring difference to brewers. I want to bring hops that stand out and that, um, you know, really give brewers a, you know, a, a diversity of flavour to take as building blocks into their recipes and, and make beers that can taste interesting and different. Cascade, of course, is not that it is Aussie grown Cascade, um, uh, but um, the brewer feedback is just overwhelmingly positive that it is it is top flight and it is expressing slightly differently to the US material. The people who um, use it love it. Well, we had the great chat with Little Creatures, and you know they they spoke very flatteringly about it. You know they're the origin of the Cascade story here at HPA um, when Alex Troncoso was over in the West and um, and Tim Lord. First planted up some, some US Cascade at Bushy Park to, um, to supply into creatures in, in Frio. So, you know, they've been long-term supporters and, and clearly, um, value the impact it makes. And, and, um, you know, I guess, I guess coming back to, um, one of the real pillars of what brewers want out of our crop and, and our crop report should speak to this. It's about supply surety and about brewers being able to look at these numbers and say, cool, no threat to me getting what I want. Or what I've contracted. You know, Cascade's going to really challenge us this year. We're going to go um, and work with brewers. Um, and it's not it's not always a negative story to say we're going to go and work with brewers individually to make sure that their contracts are aligned with their real demand. 
And, you know, we, we've spoken quite at length about how we handle our responsible attitude to contracting, bringing our contracted position up to 15% short of what our expected productivity is. So being nearly 30% down means that we're actually into contracts at that point. So then this is when we go individually and to brewers and make sure that we're completely aligned on real world demand versus what you've got contracted. Anyone who's long or has a little risk aversion for some reason, you know, we're working with them to, to hand back, come off contract to us and let us allocate it to those who need it. You know, connecting those who have with those who have not and have needs, it's pretty much what a hop trader should be doing, making sure that the market stays in balance as much as possible. That's actually an interesting question, uh, and I'll, I'll pick up on that rather than do it later. That you know, we have seen a number of breweries go into administration, a number of breweries struggle, and there's obviously beer demand has been very different for a lot of brewers than they probably were forecasting a year or two ago when they were looking at contracting. Um, and I've also started to see you know messages of brewers looking to sell off some of their hops that they've they, they've supplied. So clearly there is an excess that some brewers are carrying. You know, what, what is your advice in, in those circumstances um, you know, if, if, if brewers have over-contracted? Mm, mm. I think your observations are absolutely correct. I think that this all started in COVID times where consumer preference and choice in the off-trade uh, really kind of changed quite dramatically and brewers found that they had core SKUs out in the trade um, that had been enjoying you know, pre-COVID days had been enjoying growth, had been enjoying support. COVID came along and changed people's attitudes, whether it was like, keep your powder dry, let's drop a price point or go for a value proposition or whatever. Um, uh, new SKUs started to emerge through the COVID years. And that was kind of the start of this turbulence around what have I got contracted, but what hops do I actually need to support the SKUs that are now working out in the market? And I would say, and I'm sure other suppliers are in the same boat, I would say that we have had more conversations about matching new requirement with old contracts and reworking and making sure people are getting what they need um, over the last few years than we ever have before. And so this trend will continue, I, I feel. Now we've got some macroeconomic pressure coming at us and I think everyone's businesses are under pressure. The consumer trends are still this black box sometimes, aren't they? And, and, and the change in SKUs that are working in the marketplace will continue to change. And, and all I can do by way of advice you ask for from me to, to customers and to brewers and to brewery business managers out there is really just stay in touch with us. And, and it doesn't have to be me, right? Stay in touch with your suppliers. If you, if you can see changes in your recipe, in your beers that are working in the market, which impacts on the recipes that back those, which might impact on your obligations in your supply chain if you're a contract holder for supply of whatever it is get on the front foot don't go dark get on the front foot and um and be be talking to your suppliers because you'll find there's a lot of vested interest in all of our mutual success and we'll work and i'm speaking from our own hpa perspective here we'll work really hard to make you good right we will work really hard to make sure you get what you need um, and keep keep the whole place in balance because the hops, of course, are notorious for rapid swings from short supply to oversupply. And we're actually in the middle of one of those sort of pivot moments right now, um, primarily driven by the US. Again, I would imagine that it would be a similar um, situation with financial, quite apart from hop contracting, that you know we have seen a number of businesses fold. And I would imagine that that would have stung HPA as it stung a lot of other suppliers. Um, 
you know, what is if businesses are finding you know cash flow difficult, um, you know, what, what's your advice there? The advice is exactly the same. Whether it's um, imbalancing your supply obligations or it's or it's a, a, a pinch point in your cash flow, it's it's really about identifying that, getting on the front foot, pick up the phone. You you'll get you'll get a good reception because we appreciate people. Um, you know, being honest and, and coming forward um, in, in situations like that. And I would say that, um, you know, there are only losers when businesses go um, bust and, uh, you know, that, it, that we, we will um, work pretty hard to help um, in, in those situations where we can. You know, that's always been our mantra that where we can help, we will. Stepping back into, into the report, your... Pellet plant and packaging uh, expansion is coming on, so you're going to be using a portion of this year's harvest uh, for that. Um, when will those be available to uh, to consumers? I should say brewers. Yeah, so the um, the you know the sequence of events for us in reinvesting in this business has obviously been focused on reinvigoration of the farm infrastructure and and getting rid of the old pickers and drying floors, um, increasing the acreage, and now. You know, it's really the tail that wags the dog, just like in a brewery where the bottling line might be, you know, <laughs> the, uh, the rate determining step, you know, the, the, the biggest influence on finished beer quality and losses in the production, you know, may well be on that dog of a bottling machine you've got, um, <laughs> as it is in the hop farm. So we are really, really excited. And I, I mean, I, I'm going to struggle to put my, um, my excitement into words here, but I'm really excited about getting a new pellet plant. Um, the the vision here for this it's so significant the vision here is to centralize all of HPA's output and let us execute this whole crop approach to blending and the management of delivered quality to the brewer like we've never been able to do before so our our stated objective here is the highest possible average quality with the lowest possible variance and this is really, really fundamentally important to the way we approach um, the management of, of a hop like Galaxy or Vic or Eclipse is that it is in our interest to produce the best quality hops for everybody, not to allow, uh, you know, the top of the crop to go to one or two um, brewers, but we're, we're interested in the success of Galaxy as a variety. Um, and we think that the success of brewers out there will flow from us being able to be in control of our production line and our finished quality to the extent that this pellet plant will be game changing for us. And it's, it's not just about new, um, you know, new technology in milling and, and the, and the actual dye pressing out the pellets. Um, and in the form, feel seal machine, you know, the, the, the gold standard of, of uh, filling these foils that hops are delivered in. It's actually in all the support services around that as well. It's, it's in quality control. It's, um, it's in automation and repeatability. It's, it's in our absolutely grassroots ability to deliver highest quality product. So this, this for us is, uh, for me, this is not just the natural and logical conclusion of ramping up our productivity, but this is actually like where the rubber meets the road for the brewer's interest, for our customer's benefit. We grow all this galaxy. Great. Good on you, HPA. I tell you what, though, we're about to take a step change in our delivered quality to brewers and the performance of our hops in beer across the board um, is going to go forward in leaps and bounds. 
I won't. Uh, <laughs> I know we've talked about selection versus um, batching in the past, so I'll, if anything, I'll link to those discussions rather than do it here. Um, but uh, in in the report, uh, one of the things that fascinated me was both Victorian and Tasmanian growing regions had record low levels of solar radiate, radiation for the fourth consecutive year. Is that associated with La Nina, El Nino patterns? And where's your forecast there? Yeah, so here's where I get really out of my depth and put my meteorology hat on. <laughs> it wasn't covered in the brewing courses, you know, weather forecasting, but whatever. That, here we, here just we go. Just part of the challenge of being a hop grower. <laughs> I'll tell you what I can do, though. I can look at a, uh, look at a chart of... Um, uh, you know, solar radiation per year since 1900. And it doesn't take much to pick out that we have had, for at least the last three years consecutively, lowest annual solar radiation year on year every year for the last three years. So we're at, we're at a very low point right now. And, and, and that has to, like, I can't connect these dots, uh, you know, in peer reviewed material with that kind of rigor, but I can tell you that it's pretty self-explanatory, isn't it? If a plant grows through photosynthesis and the amount of cloud cover is giving you consecutive year-on-year lowest ever recorded radiation, it's got to impact on the plant's vigor, surely. Um, so we're just we're just drawing a few lines between a few dots. Uh, we do not have to be uh, meteorologists to know that, especially in our Victorian acreage, the amount of rain we got through spring, um, we discovered uh, the way water sits on some of our paddocks that we hadn't seen that much water sitting on those paddocks before. It, and and as, as we say in this release, we, we had to deal with this and we modified the way in which we got on the farm, we got around the farm and delivered, whether it's, uh, you know, fertiliser or whatever. We, we managed the impact to our normal calendar of events um, to deliver this crop, uh, you know, in a pretty in some pretty tough conditions. Uh, we also then circle back on that. We know the waterlogged paddocks. We know how long they are affected for. We know what sort of recovery the plants had. We have satellite imagery. We have overlay of crop density. We, you know, we, we've got some. We've taken some really cool steps forward in our, uh, you know, smart ag approach. Um, which has been really exciting. So out on the, out on one side of the coin, we're talking about expansion and pellet plants and all that. There is so much going on in our business, which is so exciting. Um, you know, we're just gonna, we're just gonna go forward in leaps and bounds. And so what we did was complete this circle and come back to these, um, impacts, try and forecast the impacts of these waterlogged paddocks, et cetera, through the metrics that we've established and close out this loop with plenty of um, observation, plenty of in-field sensory and data gathering, and of course, go and we go and harvest everything anyway. But then we go and make some decisions about what makes it into the into the blends. So we're closing out on on our quality approach to uh, to the finished pellet blends. You know, still now uh, wrapping up wrapping up some of the um, some of the outcomes of harvest. It's been a really interesting process in the sense that um, we had you know, record numbers of brewers on farm, all of which are doing in-field sensory with us, um, everyone is, is at liberty to come and see, you know, the, the way in which our crop has developed and, and get out in the fields and come down to our showcase blocks and see all of our commercial varieties and how they're stacking up out in the field this year in these seasonal conditions. And, and our confidence that, that this crop is going to perform in beer is high. In the, in the report, you know, we, we deliberately talk to yield and that's about addressing 
supply surety for the customer. You know, one of the central tenets of what we're here to deliver is is keeping our promises around supply. Secondary, second to that, definitely not secondary, but second to that is the outlook on on impact in beer. Brewer's going to say, can I get what I contracted? Yes, you can. And how's it going to stack up this year? Well, I reckon it's going to stack up really well because we're looking at oil contents uh, for most of our varieties. Um, in fact, all of our proprietary material above the five-year average. Um, cascade a little lower because it's had a pretty tough season. But you take something like the rise and rise of Eclipse, not only is is that um, trajectory of growth and um, and supply coming through, you know, we are well up on the five-year average for oil without blowing up the alpha. So the alpha is much tighter on the five-year average. So that tells me, lead indicator for me, impact in beer will be strong. Even given the tough conditions we've been through in the growing season, uh, you know, we're looking at Galaxy, we're looking at Vic, we're looking at Eclipse, all above the five-year average for oil in raw hops, which which is immensely important. Just stepping back into the, the, the processing plant um, and just some of the issues that come out of that, if not directly. Advanced top products, how how much, what percentage of each harvest are we seeing being diverted into some of the advanced top products that brewers are increasingly using? Well, I think you've hit it on the head there. It's it's a small percentage right now, but it is increasing. And I think the, I think if I was to look forward and get my cloudy crystal ball out again, um, I would, I would say that the trends behind the uptake and acceptance of advanced products continues and isn't going to diminish, uh, coupled with the fact that I think these modern um, liquid products like Spectrum, uh, like Incognito, are a step above the earlier versions, the earlier you know um, attempts at these uh, you know liquid products. Their impact in beer is undeniable. Um, their their statement of benefits around whether it's beer recovery or waste stream management, um, you know, or straight up and down flavour impact, they are they are achieving those. They are doing what it says on the label. Uh, so I can only see the the drivers for uptake as they relate to economics or to waste stream management, etc., um, or flavour impact as as um, persisting into the future. I don't think those drivers are going to go away. I would see more and more adoption in independent and smaller breweries for, for different reasons in different settings. I think these products are going to, um, I think especially Spectrum is going to become a trusted um, solution to, to problems around dry hopping. Um, so yeah, I look forward to seeing where this trend takes it. And I can say that it's it's really important for HPA to have, um, you know, Galaxy Vic Eclipse available in these advanced products um, as, it, as it continues to position us, if you like, well for the future. So, you know, you don't want to sort of be left behind just because you're not in the right product form. I've never thought that the product form, whether it's T90s or 60s or 45s or liquids was really the battleground. I thought impact in beer was always our holy grail here, this, this, this target that we're actually aiming for. Um, but we don't want to be left behind, left behind because our product isn't presented in the right form. Mm. Is it hard to work out what percentage you allocate to each of those processing streams? Oh, not necessarily. It's actually mitigated somewhat by existing contract holders saying, Ah, this has worked really well. This trial of Spectrum has worked really well. We'll take some of our Galaxy contract and and we'll we'll flip that over into Spectrum. 
So it's not it's not as tricky as it, it might seem uh, to to manage that kind of migration over into liquid products. Um, well, you know, touch wood <laughs> hasn't, hasn't hasn't brought me unstuck yet. I guess if there was really rapid change, that's always a bit of a threat. But uh, you know, at this stage, I think the 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 process of trial and uptake is still occurring. You know, people are becoming more and more brewers are becoming aware and familiar with some of the applications of these liquid products. And I and I, as I say, I think the primary motivators to tapping into those benefits are going to persist. And uh, and we'll see we'll see HPA varieties in these advanced products more and more. Last question that I've got um, in terms of new product development, do we have any uh, proprietary hops? In, in, in the pipeline looking towards release over the next 12 months? The time frame's probably pretty tight. The 12-month thing's pretty tight. We do have a, a leading cohort um, of varieties and every single visitor to, to our farms, as I touched on earlier, comes down to the showcase block and gets to, gets to rub and smell, um, you know, 050, 033, 027. You know, these are, um, uh, these are really exciting for us. You know, we haven't preordained a winner out of this leading pack yet. But it's in the pack there somewhere. One of those okay. will win. And um, I'm really looking forward to um, our next release. I think the way in which we bring hops to market might pivot a little bit from the way we backed Eclipse as an absolute shoe-in and, um, you know, something that we backed 100%. I think maybe we um, work on on longer trial and introduction as an experimental number and, and maybe bring a few more than one on. We'll see. We're, we're sort of still... Uh, you know, in control of our own destiny. There. That's it for me. Is there anything? Is there anything else about the hop report that uh, you'd like to expand on from the from the media release? I think we always get fixated on yield and oils, and this is great. Um, but I do, I do want to circle back on um, the other things that we judge a successful harvest by, and that's our people, our record on safety. Uh, you know, our initiatives and our um, approach to how we apply sustainability principles to our own undertakings. Um, you know, so first first cab off the rank is is that, um, you know, our our management of, of, you know, the dramatic increase in casual labour to execute harvest was, was m- much, much smoother and, and easier and the calibre of people was exceptional this year and that's really, really pleasing. COVID was pretty tough. Because it's been a tough couple of years with COVID managing that. It was touch and go there. When the borders were closed, it was touch and go um, on getting getting appropriate uh, people on board for for execution. So that was a a stressor that we really noticed that wasn't in the business this year and and deeply appreciate that. Safety record, of course, is, is really, you know, of all the things, the, before we talk about yield and, and quality, you know, uh, making sure people get home um, is is the first thing we need to deal with. And, and we've been working quite hard on, on the way in which we measure our lost time injury frequency. And, um, you know, and so far we're, we're sitting on, you know, one of our best results um, in, in the last decade or more. So, you know, that's, that's training. That's execution of training. This is part of the business that isn't romanticized or celebrated as much as it should be. You know, this is, this is safety training. This is our induction processes. This is investment in safety management, IT and support in that way. All of this contributes to the outcomes that we, um, that we're sitting on. So, you know, a, a real pat on the back to the team inside the HPA business that, that remains, you know, working hard in the background there. And they've done a fabulous job to, to execute that. 
we've got a, a life cycle analysis um, that we've undertaken as, as one of our sustainability initiatives, uh, you know, so um, helping us identify key targets and realistic targets to set um, to support the implementation of low emission practices. You know, this is, this is uh, you know, after the publishing of our inaugural uh, sustainability report, um, we, we said in that report, we are going to do stuff. We hadn't pinned down the stuff we were going to do. And this is part of the, the, um, crystallization of meaningful targets and what we're going to work on. And, um, we should be, we should be able to circle back on this and talk about this more, um, kind of late in 2023 as the draft, um, is reviewed shortly. Now that harvest is over, we can actually, you know, get on to a few things. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then when we actually, uh, have, have that finalized, that LCA report finalized, you know, we can actually come back and talk about what, what the meaningful outtakes from that are, which is, which is pretty cool to see the business continue down this path. It's, it's a, it's a new-ish thing for us now and, and we need to continue to push on on that. All of these, all of these things, um, whether it's new tech, whether it's safety, whether it's the sustainability principles that we want to hold ourselves accountable to, all of this stuff is there supporting yield and quality, uh, making our business, uh, you know, making our business resilient and enabled to deliver on the promise that we've made to brewers. Terrific. Well, all of that's in the uh, report that we'll link to uh, in in the show notes and also uh, on on the website. So, uh, Owen Johnson, thank you very much for another hop crop report and uh, looking forward to uh, seeing how the rest of the year goes for you. Thanks, Matt. Ne- next port of call for us is a beer in Nashville. I'll see you Nashville. Are, are you going to Hoodoo Gurus? No, I have to work, <laughs> Matt. I have to work, right? I can't be partying. <laughs> You can download a full transcript of this conversation with links to other information in the show notes to this episode. Brewery Pro content is presented by Brews News and is designed for the brewing industry professional. If you have any suggestions for topics that we can cover, email us at cheers at brewsnews.com.au. Thank you for listening. <laughs>